Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode, we're talking about why your integrity matters, talking about some headlines that have been popping up lately and uh, making the right decisions for your business. So check out this episode. You'll enjoy it. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Excited to get this episode out today, and I appreciate you tuning into the podcast. You can be checking out any podcast today, and whether you are a seasoned veteran of the podcasting world, or maybe you're just checking out, seeing what's out there, what content's out there, I'm honored that you have clicked on this podcast and you are taking a listen. It's currently Friday, end of the week. It's We're coming off of the 4th of July, which... You know, you may be listening to this episode anytime. It could be three years from now for all I know. But for me, it's the end. It's right after 4th of July. We had Monday off, uh, had a little bit of Tuesday off. And so it's now Friday, trying to get back into the normal work rhythm. And some exciting stuff happening for Good Advice. We're hiring our uh, we're hiring somebody for the business, hiring a social media person. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited to offload and delegate which what is one of the biggest time consumers of running the business. Uh, but it's a necessary thing. And I think, you know, everyone, when you when you run a business, you're constantly balancing this thing called strategy, this thing called, you know, what do I need to spend my time on? And you know, all the different social media responsibilities have been good for the business. They've been important for the business, but it's no longer something that I need to focus on. So excited for that. Going to get that up and running here pretty soon. And today I don't want to be long winded. I want to just share really what's top of mind for me. And I, I, I'm, I'm having a tough time thinking about how to articulate it because so I'm going to turn 35 this year, just just in a few months, really, um, in four months. Uh, was, wait, no, five months, sorry, just under five months. <laughs> Math's hard. And we turned in 35, and I've been battling this, this temptation, I guess, to become extremely cynical and pessimistic. And I feel like the older I get and the more I get exposed to how the world works, especially with kids, you know, having two kids and just thinking about their future, their life. I find myself more and more getting weighed down and bogged down by just things that are disappointing and things that I see that are disappointing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know how to articulate it. And like I said, I'm not here to, you know, it's a Friday afternoon for me. I'm not here to bum you out or, you know, you might even be listening to the podcast to escape from all that stuff. But I say that in the sense of, 
my disclaimer for today, I don't want to be a cynic. I don't want to be a pessimist. And it's something that I'm actively working on myself. And hey, by the way, if you have a tip for how you stay positive, for how you stay encouraged, I'd love to hear it, whether it's faith related, religion related, uh, a nice little life hack that you do in the morning. Um, you know, whatever it is, I'd love to hear it. You can shoot me an email, Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com because I'd love to know your habits with it. But today, today's episode is all about integrity and it's all about your integrity. And I want to remind you that your integrity matters. It matters. And you may be listening thinking, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> no one's going to say the opposite. No one's going to say, eh, integrity doesn't matter, whatever. I mean, actually, some people might say that, but chances are most people out there probably wouldn't would say otherwise. They would say, yeah, integrity matters, right? And here's what I've realized is that I, I think what, I, I don't know if we have like a fully accurate perspective on what integrity is and why it matters. And what I mean by that is, you know, your integrity, a lot of times when we think about integrity, where people's mind goes is it goes towards uh, I don't I don't cheat you know I'm not cheating on my spouse I didn't rob someone I didn't kill someone you know like the big bad evil things <laughs> a lot of times we're like well I didn't I didn't murder someone so my integrity is intact and I wanna I wanna press on that a little bit. And this is a little bit of the background here. I used to teach a course at the U of A. Um, I was a, 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 a adjunct professor, and I it was a course basically on ethics and integrity. And a lot of the students who were in this class, without them realizing, they were in this class because they were um, being forced to be in the class because they had done something wrong. I mean, they knew they had done something wrong, but they didn't realize that everyone else in the class was um, often there for the same reason. And there'd be like a handful of students also who they thought the class was interesting. They signed up for it and what have you. But this is a similar concept I tried to communicate to them because in some cases you'd have a student who, you know, they, they cheated on a test and in their mind it was um, a small cheat. You know, it wasn't like a, a full-blown cheat. It was like, um, you know, like, oh, I, I like, here's, here's what I'm getting at basically. Um, one second, let me see if I can get my wife and kid to stop yelling in the background. All right. Sorry about that. Anyway. So, um, you know, a lot of times when we, when we think about like cheating on tests, we think like, oh, someone, someone like had the answers written on their hands and, you know, or like a cheat sheet or something and they snuck it in or what have you. What I found is that most students who were in this class, they cheated because, you know, a friend of a friend said, Hey, I have last year's test. Um, it's, they never changed the test. It's the same test. Uh, be easy to study with. You'll get an idea of like the kinds of questions that you ask. Yada, yada. Here it is. And the person says, okay, yeah, cool. Like, sweet. Thanks for your, you know, the teacher gave this test back and the person used it. Now the, what I found is that most people, it's the gray area that makes things challenging and uncomfortable and difficult. So, you're the average student, someone offers this old test, you're thinking, well, I'm not like bringing it into the, te into the test room, I'm not writing on my hands, I'm not creating, you know, secret notes that I'm going to refer to, you know, of course, what would be wrong about looking at the old test, if, like, why would the teacher have given it back if it was, if it wasn't okay? Well, there is, 
a policy at the U of A, or there was whenever I was teaching there, that you couldn't use old tests. This was considered unethical. This was considered wrong. Like you would get in trouble for doing this. So you have like the established body saying, yeah, you can't do that. Whether you agree with that or not doesn't matter. Point being, you'd have students then who would know this. They would maybe even lie about having an old test. And then once they're caught with it or what have you, they might end up having to take this class, you know, so on and so forth. So point being, it's actually, it's actually really not a good example because probably plenty of you would be like, yeah, I totally understand. I don't really necessarily see something wrong with that. The point that I'm getting at, though, is that it's often not the really big stuff that causes us to lose or fracture our integrity. It's the small stuff. It's the small stuff that comprises our character on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm talking about this because today a report was published, uh, a, a Fed report was published that found that 75%, 75% of the $800 billion that was given out for the Paycheck Protection Program did not actually go to employees. So three-fourths of the money given out, almost a trillion dollars, did not make it into the hands of the employees for which it was intended for. And very quick background here, if you've forgotten what the PPP loan was. So when COVID was, it, it happened, we were all staying home, you know, sheltering in place, watching Netflix, thinking about, you know, what, which pajama do I want to wear today? The federal government started a program called the Paycheck Protection Program. And the whole point of it was because so many businesses, like restaurants especially, because so many businesses were closed, couldn't see customers, the federal government didn't want to see those employees let go and for people to lose their paychecks. And so the idea behind the program was, hey, keep these employees on your books, keep paying them, and we're going to basically pay you for you to pay them so that they don't lose their job. We want people to keep their jobs right now because ultimately the federal government said, hey, we're shutting down the economy. We're shutting everything down, uh, which the average business owner might be like, well, if we're shutting down, why would I keep my employees? And so the government said, don't, don't do that. Don't get rid of your employees. Keep them and we will pay them through you basically. So that's essentially what the PPP loan was. And it was an entirely forgivable loan as well. So all this to say it was free money. It was totally free money. And the amount of money you got was based on the number of employees that you had. So naturally, a business with more employees got more money. A smaller business got less money. So very easy concept to understand. So here I am. My wife and I were both business owners. We applied for this loan. We each got it. And, you know, maybe I'm just a rarity, but... I, I was very apprehensive about, uh, I'd never taken a loan like this on before. I was very apprehensive about making a mistake, uh, filing my paperwork incorrectly, going to jail, <laughs> you know, all the things like your, where your mind goes. But I really wanted to do the right thing. And so I kept a very precise paper trail. I kept, kept um, paper, paper trail makes it sound like I robbed someone, <laughs> paper records. I kept um, even the checks that I had written. Um, I kept literally everything because I wanted to make sure that 
the bank would know without any shadow of a doubt that I had used this money appropriately. Apparently, I am one of the few who actually did this because most people, what they did is they took the money and they ran with it. Now, some businesses got busted very quickly and you can get Google headlines of businesses where, I mean, and some of these people, they had to be, you just have to be dumb. I mean, that's the only answer I can get to is, um, you know, it, it had to have been like an uncle or a cousin or a friend who was like, yeah, the money's, they're not even going to, they're not even going to check on it. And so you had people with no employees at all whatsoever who got like $200,000 in PPP money, who bought like a Lamborghini, who spent all of it. And then they got arrested like the next week. And it's like, dude, like, really? Like you were that dumb that you, you did something that overt and stupid. So I think very few people did something like that, and they got busted immediately. But for this other portion, the majority that makes up the 75% that the money didn't go to the employees. Again, the money was intended for the employees to keep them on your books. What happened? Why did this money not make it to its intended audience? Why didn't the money make it to them? What happened here? Well, what we know is a couple of things. We know that the amount of money that was given, when you, when you math it out and you look at the amount of money given per employee, in some cases it was higher than the wages of that employee. And so what, what bosses did was they continued to keep people on their books at a minimum wage or $12 an hour or what have you. And then they carved out the rest of it to open a new restaurant or remodel the building, remodel the office, or, you know, scale the business. And so what ended up, and it, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't overt. And again, this is, this is total like conjecture by me, by the way. I don't, I don't lead like a ring of these people and we all got together and talked about what happened. But for me, it's pretty obvious uh, just knowing how businesses often operate, you get 50 grand in PPP money. You take your, 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 your cash and you pay out your employees as you need. And essentially what you then do is all the money goes into a large fund. It goes into your cash flow, and where it kind of loses its identifier and you say, oh, yeah, well, we needed to remodel the building. Let's put some money towards it. And, you know, you fudge an accounting line and you basically say, you know, yeah, we've always been wanting to expand or what have you. Again, I'm not I'm not giving you tips on how to do this because I have no idea because I didn't do it myself. I'm just conjecturing what likely happened is people fudged accounting books, P&Ls, what have you. Yeah, we needed to expand the business, yada, yada. And at the end of the day, people lied. And I want to say something about this because what bothers me about reading this article is, is, is not like a jealousy or like, you know, how dare you? Like I wanted to, I wanted to be one of the 75%. You know, why was I so naive? No, it's like, it's like I read this article and I realize that more and more that we're really good at being not self-aware when we're working in a gray space. Gray meaning, and this is most of life, it's not black or white. And when we're not careful, 
we can legitimize a wrong decision and truly believe that it's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, who was the PPP meant for? Your employees. And you either spin it on your employees or you didn't. But see what happened, and, if, and again, if you weren't a business owner during this time, I just remember people saying, oh, you got to apply for it. It's free money. It's free money. Oh, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, and even, even I even saw people saying things like, you know, the government's not going to check. They're not going it, to. It's, it's so many people. They're not going to know. Like, yeah, you know. And I was a bit shocked thinking this is a bit wild to me. It's a bit wild that, you know, I just thought, like, what are we doing here? Like, what? <laughs> this isn't the right thing to do. And, and what I have found is that integrity is a rarity. The second part of that that I have found is that people will mistake your integrity for naivety. And they will crush you for it as well. They will point it out as a flaw and they will try to convince you that it's holding you back from growth. Whenever I started my business, I had a marketer, a digital marketer who we were talking about growing the business, getting more customers and what was the right way to do that. And he basically said, Blake, uh, and I had, I had paid this person quite a bit of money under the pretense of how they had presented themselves and then realized once we were working together that they were very different. But this marketer basically said, Blake, here's what I need you to do. I need you, we're going to present good advice as a lifestyle business. It's not going to be about actually growing businesses. You're not going to give tips or tricks or, hey, here's what you need to do to grow your business. Instead, you're going to present it as a lifestyle. You're going to present yourself as a mega millionaire. And you're going to essentially prey on the insecurities of broke business owners to convince them to pay you because they're desperate for your success. Now, he didn't say it in that direct words, but that's basically what he said. He said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, you know, in, in the city that you live, I want you to go to the best condo that you can find, like the highest uh, penthouse suite, whatever you can find that looks over the city. I want you to rent it for a day whatever it costs, just treat it as an investment, just a, a one day, not even overnight rental. I want you to rent it for the day, even for an hour. And I want you to take your, your, your iPhone, your Galaxy, whatever, and I want you to film yourself standing on the balcony or at the window looking over the city. And I want you to talk about how amazing your life is. And I want you to tell people this is your house, this is your condo that you bought, this is where you live. You're having so much success with your business. And then you, I want you to say basically something along the lines of, you know, and hey, because I want to give back, because I want you to have the same success, hey, DM me, message me, email me, and I'll tell you the steps for what you can do for your business to essentially be successful. And I was shocked by this. I mean, I was totally floored by this. I, I thought he was joking, actually. And so he tells me to do this, and I, I'm stunned, honestly. And again, he, it, I'm, I'm exaggerating for hyperbole here. He didn't say it as you know obnoxiously wrong as this. But essentially what happened was he says this and I'm stunned. And I say, well, uh, th that's lying. I, that's, I don't own that. that. That wouldn't be right. And he looked at me with this face of disgust and almost embarrassment for me. And he basically said, Blake, that is... That is so naive. 
that you said, this is what sells. Like you hired me to make you money. Do you want to make money or not? And I said, no, I, I don't want to make money this way. That, that's not what I want to do. I, like I have to keep my integrity intact. And so I fired him. And there was a bunch of drama with it. With, well, you know, you're disagreeing with our contract terms. You're not going to get your money back. And I basically said, yeah, keep your money. Keep the money. I don't even want to deal with you. And I had to do the right thing. That's not to pat myself on the back. That's not, that's actually being, being totally transparent and honest. I, I, I don't always make the right decision. I don't, I'm a flawed person. I don't always make the right call. But I can tell you that 99% of the time I try to. Because I know what the right thing to do is. And what I've realized in the business world is that we've gotten so good at convincing ourselves that the ends justify the means. Well, hey, if you grow your business, doesn't that open the door for you to impact even more people? You know, if, if, if you have more money, doesn't that give you more reach? And it's like, I get that, but you're, you're, you're doing the wrong thing and lying to yourself to convince yourself that you're doing actually on a grander scale, the right thing. So, and I'm not saying there aren't complex decisions to make. I'm not even talking about that, but I want to hone in on his reaction to me, basically saying I was naive. You know, I had people who, um, when I first started the business, I had a refund policy with the business that was basically like, Hey, if we don't achieve the results that, that we say we will, you get all your money back. And I had a friend who was like, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy to do that. And I was like, well, why? I mean, I, cause for me, I was so interested in being honest. Like I was so, it was important to me to be honest with my customers. And so if I told them I could help them and I didn't, that was wrong. It was wrong. And so I had a refund policy that was literally, if we don't do what I say we will do, you get all your money back, no questions asked. Now, um, this is brand, this actually was a little naive because, <laughs> you know, it's brand new business. You know, it's a nightmare for cash flow. I mean, it's just crazy. But I was trying to do the right thing. And I, I, I have since years later realized that in many cases, when you work with someone, often it's, 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 there's a shared responsibility and in many cases you can do all the right things, but if they don't do the right things on their end, uh, then the lack of success is not because of your own lack of expertise. It's because of the lack of follow through with your customer. So that refund policy is no more. If you've been wanting to work with me, sorry, the refund policy does not exist anymore. So I've, I've definitely matured in my view of this relationship with working with my customers but the core desire is still there. I want to do right by my customers. I want to do the right thing. If I tell someone I can help them, if I tell them I can get results with them, you better believe that I am up at all hours of the night making sure that what I said will happen will actually happen. You know, and that's not me bending over backwards or getting bullied by my customers. That's simply doing the right thing. <laughs> it's simply doing the right thing. It's simply just trying to do the right thing. So I say all this to remind you that your integrity matters. And one of the things that I communicate with my students is because I remember someone made a comment on like, um, yeah, you know, you do the right thing because eventually it pays off. And I actually bad, I, I, I guess I, as a good teacher, I probably should have been like, yeah, good answer. <laughs> it's all going to work out if you do the right thing. But the way I actually responded was I said, 
Okay, what if it never pays off? What if nice guys truly do finish last? Is it still worth it to do the right thing? See, sometimes, and I remember my students were kind of like, oh, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we, we're a bit dishonest with ourselves. We do the right thing because we, we're, what we're actually doing is what is of most benefit to us or what we believe is most benefit to us rather than simply doing the right thing because it's the right thing. It's the right thing to do. Like that's the challenge of self-awareness is, is, and I'm, and as a, as a religious person, as a Christian person, you know, I'm honestly in my, in my prayer time, I'm, I'm asking God to help me with that in the sense of God, help me see my own heart, see my own motivations. Why do I really want to do this? Is it the right thing or is it actually secretly selfish? And whether you're religious or not, that kind of reflection is important because, because at the end of the day, your character, it's made up of these decisions that are fueled by motivations that we're not always fully aware of, you know? And so you get this PPP offer, this program, this loan, and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this could be so good for the business. And, it, oh, it makes... And then a year later, you look back and you say, did I, did I really use that like I was supposed to? You know, same thing with taxes. Did I fudge the numbers a little bit or was I actually honest? Did I do the right thing even if it cost me? You know, I've, I've had to do, I remember I had um, a, I moved to Arkansas from Texas and Texas doesn't have, uh, by the way, this is going to sound like such, <laughs> this is going to sound like patting myself on the back so much. And I, I, I apologize because I, I want to I want to instill with you that I, I, I am flawed like anyone else and I don't always make the right decision. But I do want to give you some examples to show you that I am actively practicing what I preach. I'm not standing on a podium or a pillar, you know, saying everyone go do this and I'm not going to do it myself. Like I am extremely cog, you know, cognizant of the danger of hypocrisy and I, I want to. I want to practice what I preach and I want to be held accountable. So if I miss something, I want to be held accountable. But I remember I moved to Arkansas from Texas and uh, Texas doesn't have state income tax. Arkansas does. So I, I moved in like, I think it was like a November or maybe October, started working in Arkansas, filed my taxes in January or February. And then like two or three years later, I get a call or a letter. I can't remember. It was actually, it was a letter with a number to call from the IRS. So I called them and the person's like, Hey, yeah. Um, oh, and the letter, by the way, the letter basically said you for the months of November and December of 2013, you did not pay your owed state tax to Arkansas because you were working here those two months. And I don't know, I, maybe I was like a stupid, naive person. I can't remember. I think what I assumed was like, it didn't like quote start until like the next calendar year. So I just didn't even know. I just thought like, yeah, I'm good. And also I had lived in Texas for a few years and I just out of habit, just didn't think about it anymore. So I get this letter that basically says, um, you didn't pay tax on these two months. And not only did you not pay tax on it, but we've, you've accrued interest and late charges on it. And it was like several hundred dollars. I mean, it was crazy. And so I call this number. And the person says, um, yeah, no worries. Totally understand. Uh, and actually a very pleasant person that I talked to. 
person said, hey, yeah, just just send over um, confirmations that you were still living in Texas and for November, December. And uh, once you do that, then we'll we'll just get this all cleaned up. You don't have to pay the tax. And we'll just assume that you didn't actually start in Arkansas until January. Now I had gotten, I had, and I can't remember the exact details here, but I had like some pay slips that came from Houston. I had like some things that came late from Houston that I still was like collecting in like November, December, not like paychecks or something, but like things in the mail that like, that could have been presented as evidence that I, I was living in Houston or something to that effect. And the, and the thought crossed my mind. I thought, yeah, I could probably present this in a way. I mean, this is kind of crazy. Like, and I, and the mind starts to spin, you know, you start to legitimize. And so I started thinking like, that's so unfair. Like, I didn't even know why would I have to pay the 700 whatever bucks? Like, this is crazy. Like, you know, and you start to legitimize in your head how wrong it is and how right you are and all these things. And so my mind started thinking, man, I could really get out of this. And I thought about that for a second. And then I thought, no, I lived in Arkansas for November, December. And so the right thing to do is to pay the tax, whether I knew it or not, the right thing to do is to pay the tax. It's bottom line, the right thing to do. So I reached back out and I said, Hey, yeah, um, I'm really sorry. I I just didn't know. Uh, I apologize. And it was the same person. And she said, yeah, I totally understand. And I, I, again, you know, it's, it's, you hope the right, it's all going to work out. It doesn't always work out. I still had to pay the tax, <laughs> but she did say, Hey, um, we're going to waive the interest and the fees on this. So you'll just pay the principal amount. Actually, I actually did kind of work out a little bit. So I had to pay it, but ultimately whether I had to pay it or not, I was prepared to pay the full amount because I knew it was the right thing to do. So I'll leave you that, that with you today. And there's also a really great poem called uh, The Man in the Glass. And there was a mentor, a guy I worked with who would read this poem to executives. And I encourage you to Google this. It's called The Man in the Glass. I don't have it in front of me, so I can't recite it to you. But the bottom line, it says, there's one person you will have to face, one person you're held accountable to, and that's the man in the glass, the man in the mirror. You face him in the morning, you face him in the evening. What will you say to him? What will you, when you look at him, what will you think of him? Your integrity matters. So do the right thing for your customers, for your employees, for your spouse and your loved ones. You won't always make the right decision, but simply try to make the right decision and protect your integrity at all costs. Your integrity matters. It does. It matters even when no one sees it and even when it doesn't pay off in the end. Your integrity matters. I've been watching so much YouTube of this movie, The Big Short, on the housing market and seeing how many people legitimize doing the wrong thing to make a lot of money. And this made me realize just how much the greed, the love of money can be such a great attractor to do the wrong thing. Do the right thing. And it doesn't matter if you're poor the rest of your life. You got to do the right thing. Which you may be thinking, you're nuts, Blake. Why would I want to be poor the rest of my life? And it's like, well, you can't take the money with you. You know, you can't take it with you when you're dead. You can't take the influence with you. In 50 years, 100 years, you're going to be forgotten. Chances are you're going to be forgotten. 
<laughs> it's not to be cynical. It's just, it's just, it's, it's what's it worth to you? You know, what's your soul, <laughs> the, the, the rightness, the integrity of your soul, what's it worth? So I don't know is, I don't know if that's heavy or not, but I know for me, it's a real, there's a real weightiness to it. And I'm trying to do the right thing. And I hope you will join me in that. Let's do the right thing together. Let's protect our integrity. Let's ask, you know, when we wrong someone, when we do the wrong thing, let's own up to it. And let's just day by day, let's try to face that man in the glass. Hey, thanks for listening. That's all we got for you today. And we'll catch you later. See ya.